Hey, it is so good to be with you today. My name is Alfred Turley. I'm our Chatsworth campus pastor. And I am pumped to be with you. And what you just watched, this promo, this for, for Adventure Week, an incredible week that we've got coming up in June. And every single year we do this. And it's an awesome opportunity for us to build bridges to kids in our community and kids in our own church. You see, I don't know about you, but when I was little, when I was six years old, someone told me about Jesus. And every single one of us, we need to hear that. Someone has to tell us. That's the role God gives us as Christ followers is to pass the word along. And we get to do that that week. We get to tell kids about the good news of Jesus Christ and help them understand his incredible love and purposes for their, his, his purposes and plan for their lives. So listen, if you haven't signed your kids up, please do so. But I would also encourage you this, if you're willing to help, if you're willing to be a part of Adventure Week at your campus, go to roberts.cc slash summer events. You can sign up your kids there, but you can also sign up to help as well. So I just, I thank you for that. We're going to have an awesome summer. It's going to be incredible. But I want to talk to you now about the second mile. As we're on this, this series that Matt's been in the last several weeks, and um, I, I really, if, honestly, it's been one of those, you know, stomp on my toes kind of situation. Because really when we look at the example Jesus is giving us and when he's telling us what to do, you know, that whole point, the whole point is that a Roman soldier could ask someone to go a mile with them and carry their stuff. It was forced on people. And of course, the Jewish people hated this. It was very much a situation of perceived injustice, you know, and, and I guess it was unjust, but really, you know, it was so hard for people to do it with a good attitude with these oppressors. But then Jesus even took it further by saying, if someone takes your, clo your cloak, you know, let them have your tunic also. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other cheek to them. There's this radical response that we're just not used to. But Jesus is calling us to. So how in the world do we do this? So Matt's been talking about that, talking about that honestly, it's something we can't do. God has to do it in us. But I want to talk today about the role of prayer in us walking the second mile. So here's our questions. See, how can we pray for ourselves so we can live on the second mile in our lives and bring glory to Jesus? And then how can we pray for others to see Christ and follow him? You see, our whole, our whole thing on this is to be such a radical example to the world that they see Christ in us and they want what we have. But how do we do that? Because it's not simple. And so how do we pray? And for other people to see Christ in us and follow him. This is what we're going to talk about. But listen, I want to talk to you first about prayer just in general. Because I am very passionate about prayer. A lot of times I end up talking about prayer because it is a big part of my life and a part of my story and my testimony. But I'll just tell you this. If you're new to the whole thing, and I've actually been with people who have never prayed before in their entire lives, you know, and you just got to understand this. It really is this. Prayer is a direct reflection of how much we believe that God is real and willing to act on our behalf. It truly is. It's a direct reflection of if we believe that God is real and willing to help us out. But here's the thing. If you're brand new to this, and maybe you're even, you haven't even decided to follow Jesus, you're kicking the tires on Christianity, 
You're approaching God maybe like the police officer standing there on the corner somewhere. And you're like, man, he's just scary. I just know that I've been trained to be intimidated by this guy, and he's kind of scary. And you're kind of you're like, I don't even know what to do with this. You don't even know what it means to talk to God or talk to this police officer. But, you know, then as we begin to follow God... We begin, it's like talking to that police officer and finding out, you know what, he wasn't that bad. He actually gave me a piece of candy. You know, like my kids, they hand him a little, you know, a, a sucker or something. But, you know, as we begin to walk with God, we begin to find not only is he intimidating, he actually likes us and he actually loves us. So then the relationship begins that not only am I now no longer afraid to talk to him, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him a lot. And I would say that the more and more we walk with Jesus and walk with God, we begin to realize that he's so radically for us that prayer becomes like breathing. I have to do it. I need to do it every day. I need to do it throughout the day. And it breathes life into me. And that's what I hope as you, no matter where you are in the spectrum, I just hope you'll understand. Just take a step forward because it, it will change but start, and it's totally okay if you're looking at this going, man, this is weird, this is awkward, and this is intimidating. That is totally fine, but let's still go after this. So as we go back to that, I want to go back to the second mile, the whole thing of a second mile prayer and what we're, what we're praying for, for us to walk the second mile. And I want to go to a story in the book of Matthew, and this is a very intense story. But I think it's important. I, I, I know it's important. It's crucial for us. Because Jesus is actually going through some stuff that I hope none of, us ever, none of us will ever face what he is facing. But the point of it is, is he's with his disciples heading into a garden at night. This is the night before his crucifixion. The next day he's going through something horrible. And he knows this. And he's with his disciples and they're in this garden where they usually stay... And one of his disciples, Judas, has already gone to get the temple priest. And he's betraying Jesus. And he's coming to get the guards to come arrest Jesus. And it's just this whole plot is set in motion. And Jesus is in the garden in this very intense time of personal prayer. And he's actually asking his disciples to pray with him as well. And I think there's some really important stuff for us to see in this. And it, as Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26. This story is actually in all in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's really important and talked about in the Gospels. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's go to Matthew 26. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that was kind of his inner circle, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup, his crucifixion, that will be the next day, Everything he's about to go through, the betrayal and the suffering, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus is actually facing incredible evil. He's facing a horrible, horrible situation. And this is what we got to understand. 
This is a very tense moment. Something's going on. And Jesus, and, and in, in each of the Gospels, it definitely points out he's calling them all. Watch and pray. Stay awake and pray. Pray with me right now. And then he's praying. He's praying multiple times for the saints. He's standing in the place of anguish and prayer. And one, one Gospel even says that his anguish and, and just fear and anguish on him became so intense that he sweated blood. Now, he had a right to be afraid. He had a right to that because he was about to face something horrible. And the pain was going to be excruciating. But he's showing us something. See, there was real danger on this night. And a real attempt by Satan. A real attempt by Satan to stop Jesus. You see, actually, as Jesus is going through his crucifixion several times, it, it actually, Satan's like throwing everything he's got at Jesus to try to stop him, to try to actually make him give up, make him not go through with it. You know, and the, even there's, there's chief priests who are saying, if you're the son of God, come down and save yourself, which mirrors what Satan said to Jesus in his 40-day temptation in the wilderness. Satan's trying to get him to just go, if you, you're God, if you're who you are, just stop this. You don't have to, do, to go through this. So there's warfare, there's spiritual warfare going on. We're seeing evil and good clashing. And it's intense. And if it wasn't intense, why would they need to be praying so much? Why would they need to be standing in this place and, and standing before God and praying? So something big is going on. But I want to tell you this. I think Jesus is showing us how to be human. See, so, so often I... I I know Jesus came to show us God and show us the Father, but he came to show us, show us how to live too. He came show us to show us how to live. And here's the thing. Second mile situations usually happen when we are faced with something we really don't want to do. And they often come suddenly. But it's not something pleasant. We don't want to go the second mile with the Roman soldier. We don't want to go through the lawsuit. We don't want to go through the painful divorce or the painful situation. We don't want to go through the conflict at work. We don't want to lose our job because someone is unjustly accusing us. We don't want to go through those things. We don't want to deal with the trouble, the injustice. If we're at school, we don't want to go through the bullying. We don't want to go through the unjust teacher situation or whatever it is. Whatever's going on. If we're a teacher, we don't want to deal with the, the, the attacks by the parents that are unjust or war unwarranted. I mean, we can all make up all sorts of situations. We don't want to go through the loneliness. We don't want to go through this. We don't want to go through it. And yet, Jesus is showing us how. How we have to posture ourselves. See, how we respond to the attacks and injustices and the evil of a broken and fallen world is the second mile walk. Now listen to this though. It's okay to be afraid. It's wise to not want to go through the storm. And it's right to ask that it be taken away. Jesus even said in the Lord's Prayer, He said, Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And in Psalm 91, the writer told us to pray for protection. Ask for protection. Claim protection. You know, we do that. We see that God protects. And we see that. In fact, we're crazy not to ask for it to end. 
And in some situations, we see Jesus. Jesus went around healing something, healing people. And Jesus did these incredible works and miracles. And we know that we pray and God responds. I've seen so many miracles. And God do so many things when we pray and we seek him. So here's the point of it. He's asking us. He's telling us to come, to come after these things and believe that God will move on our behalf. Jesus said, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came and he's telling us in many situations we're going to see, or we're, overall we're going to see victory. He's already purchased the victory on the cross. But here's the, here's the rub. When the evil seems to be forced on us, what do we do? When the cancer diagnosis is there and we, we, just, and we haven't gotten a breakthrough. When whatever's going on, we haven't gotten the breakthrough. When the financial situation is there, we haven't gotten the breakthrough. When we've tried to deal with the situation at work and we haven't gotten the breakthrough. And, and the evil just seems to be forced on us. What do we do? Because this is crucial. This is a very, very big problem. Especially as we're trying to reach people and trying to help people. This is when people lose their faith. This is when people give up. This is when people say, oh, no, and here, no more. And this is because their answer is this. How can a good God do this? God, how could you let this happen to me? God, if you're, are, are you punishing me? I've talked to so many people that are seasoned. They're like, I just feel like he's got a bullseye on me. Is he out to get me? What did I do to deserve this? And then I finally heard it. This is your God. I don't want any part of him. You see, Satan's goal, the destroyer, the enemy that we're at war with, Satan's goal is to destroy our faith in God so that we take matters into our own hands. It's the very same thing he talked to, he tried to get Eve to do. Well, he did. He convinced Eve in the garden, did God really say and he began to c c cause Eve to question God's goodness, God's love, to the point that Eve began to, Eve stopped trusting in God and took matters into her own hands because she believed that God was holding out on her. And you see, that is, that is what happens, and that is what Satan is trying to do. He is trying to get us to stop trusting God so that we take matters into our own hands. Now, salvation in itself, when we begin to follow Jesus, the very point is that we trust him. We give our lives to him. We begin to say, not my will, but your will be done. We begin to enter into God in that way. But Satan wants to challenge that. See, we must face that we are in a war of good versus evil. Listen, if I am, I am personally... All my life of being a Christian, until, if you will not face that w there is a war of good versus evil going on right here, you are going to get, I, I personally think you will get totally messed up because people get so shipwrecked because they blame God for bad things that happen when the real culprit is Satan and or a broken and fallen world or you know what, or our own sin. I mean, there's so many times we do, as Matt, Matt says, we're one step away from stupid. We can't blame God for the consequences of our stupidity when we took the step. We can't go, God, why did you let, let that happen to us? He's like, why did you do that? Why did you let that happen? And so we are in a world at war with good and evil. 
with the consequences of sin playing out. And if we don't get that right, we're going to get all messed up and we've got to help people figure that out or they won't see Jesus and see the beauty of Jesus and what he did. And they won't even understand their need for the cross, for what he did. And we must choose to believe that God is good. Now, this, this, can, be, this, is such, this can be a challenge but I can tell you this, one of the greatest acts of love my children can give to me is when they just simply take my word and believe me. When they believe when we're going to do something, when I say we're going to do something and we do it and they believe me. One of the greatest acts of love is when we just simply believe in who God is and who he says and when we believe him. And our prayers are this. I don't understand, God. I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't get it. It even looks really hard, but I'm going to trust you because you're good. I believe your word over what my circumstances say. And then as Jesus said, not my will, your will be done. I'm not going to take this out. I'm not going to step in. I'm going to trust you no matter what because I believe that you're good. And that's what we have to do. Now, I want to tell you this. If you're new to this, and maybe, again, if you're, if you're a brand new Christ follower, or you're even kicking the tires on Christianity, or you haven't given your life to Jesus, and you're saying, well, how do I start with this? And I would just say, it's as simple as this. If you've never prayed, I've, I've been with people who've never prayed before, just simply say, God, help me. God, help. God, have mercy on me. God, give me strength. Give me wisdom. Lord, just help. That's not a long prayer. That's not difficult, but that's a prayer of faith. That's a prayer of trust. Just ask for help. And he will. He's going to meet you in the middle of that. But listen to this, what God says in Romans, or what Paul says about God in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He's good. And whatever, this is the miracle. The miracle the miracle is that no matter what the bad situation is, no matter what our sin drags us into, no matter what it is, it, the miracle is that this incredible, all-powerful God can redeem it and make something out of it. That's his miracle. That's his incredible thing. I mean, the miracle is he saves us from our sins, period. But the miracles, he can, he can redeem the situations and turn them around. He's so big. And he loves us so much and he's so powerful. And listen to this. Listen. See, Jesus, as he went to the cross, as he was going after this and he faced this, you may ask, well, what, what kind of helped him? I mean, he's believing that God is good. He believes God's word. He believes all that. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. The motivation in Jesus and it says this, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame of it. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
You see, Jesus knew this. He knew this about his father. He knew this very much. And that we must choose to believe God will make it worth it. He is a God who loves his children. He's a God who loves us. And this is the thing. He will never waste our trials. He will never waste it. If you're following him, if you're with him, if you're doing your best to hold your hand, yeah, hold his hand in the middle of that trial, I promise you that he is going to work good in it. He is going to work something through it. He is going to bring good out of it. He will do it because that's the miracle. That's, that's our God. He's that incredible. He invites us to trust him that on the other side of heaven, we will never regret following him or obeying him, even if it's through the storm or the trial. Even it's when we have to say. I don't get it. But not my will. Your will be done. He'll make it worth it. It may be on the other side of heaven. But I promise you. He's going to make it worth it. Man we only get seven. Who, who knows how many years we get. 75, 80, 90. And then we get eternity. Will we believe he's good. Like he says he is. And that he rewards those who follow. And trust and believe him. And live for him. Not my will, but his be, his be done, your be done. So how do we pray for ourselves and others? And this is, we started us, how do we pray for us so that we can do this second mile walk? And then how do we pray for others to see Christ and open their eyes to him? Well, it's, it's really, to me, pretty simple. It's this, that our prayer should be this, God, reveal yourself to them. Reveal yourself to me. And reveal the truth. We need to see the truth. You know Jesus even said this. Jesus said you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And then Jesus even said I am the way. And the truth and the life. You see reflecting on God. Seeing God. Seeing God in Jesus. Seeing this incredible God and his love and his grace. And all he's done for us. Sets us free. And it destroys the work. The lies and the deception in us. And helps us walk with courage and faith and boldness. But you know, our prayer, our prayer for that lost person, our prayer for those people that we're trying to reach, our prayer for those people, for the children at Adventure Week that we're, we're going into, our prayer should be, God, help them see the truth. Help them see the truth in their life. Help them see the truth. To see good and evil. Use what's going on. Use things to draw them to you. Help them see their need for you and the futility of their sin. And help them see how good you are. Show them yourself. And show them the truth. But you know what? For me every day, my prayer, God, show me the truth. I'm, and I stay in his word so I can see the truth. I know the truth. I can digest the truth. I can soak in the truth. I read his word so I can know the truth. But God, reveal yourself to me. Reveal your love. Reveal your plans. Reveal your purposes. Show me. I just need you, Lord. Give us more of your spirit. Reveal yourself to me. God, reveal yourself and reveal the truth. Now, Jesus continues in this story. And we see... If I can find it. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me one hour. Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, 
but the flesh is weak. Now, I've, I've actually processed this a lot and asked several times, like, I don't under, God, I don't fully understand what's going on. Why is it such a big deal that they're awake and they're prayerful? And that was where I began to realize that there really was massive spiritual warfare on this night. There was real danger. There were lives at stake. And we don't know. Listen, would they have, if they had prayed more, what would, have, what would it have changed? I don't know. If they'd have prayed less, what would have changed? I don't know. Could other people have been killed? Could they have been captured? I, none of that. And I don't even know if we can even get into that. It's too big. All I do is know this is that it was very serious and there was real physical danger. Lives are at stake. A lot was going on. The enemy was throwing everything he could at them. And this is, but this is a lesson for us in the situation. Because again, the second mile situations a lot of times come on us suddenly. And the things we don't want to do, they're hard things. And here's the lesson. Jesus is actually showing us an example. You see, you under, we need to stay awake and we need to stay connected with God. I mean, let me just ask you this. If, I get, if my kids wake me up in the middle of the night with something going on, it takes me the first five minutes just to wake up and figure out what's going on. But if I'm awake and I'm coffeeed up and I'm all that and I've, you know, prayed up and, and, and I've had my quiet time, well, I'm ready to go and I'm ready to handle things in the right way. See, here's the thing, God, here's the thing Jesus is telling us. Closeness needs to be our constant goal. Closeness, the reality of God in our lives steers us in the crisis. And I can prove this to you. Let me, let me give you this. Lisa, I, I, I admit, I probably drive a little too fast. Okay, I, not all the time, but sometimes I get impatient. But here's the thing, and I, I drive to Chatsworth. I'm on Chatsworth Highway some. And here's the hysterical thing, and we all know this. You know those times we're all driving, and sometimes people are going a little too fast, whatever. And then the minute there's a police, a police car in traffic with us, what happens? Everybody goes the same speed. Everybody slows down. There's this whole new level of courtesy, whole new level of order and unity and uniformity because of the presence of the authorities. You see, the presence of authorities, the presence of accountability in our lives changes everything. And it's actually good for us. And here's the thing. That is what we need in our lives. We need God in our lives daily in a moment-by-moment basis. And the more God is real to us on a daily basis, the more we will have the courage and the strength and the, the grace and the love to go into the second mile situation the right way. We'll have it because we know he's with us. We know he's right there. We know he's watching and we know he loves us and rewards us. We know he's with us. We know he'll carry us through. But it's, it's his reality and our consciousness that we're, we know God's with us and he's real and he sees. That's what changes everything. So listen. Here is how the, it steers us in the crisis. But here's the funny. It actually also trains us. So you want to know how to get better and better? I'll tell you this. The more often, if there's a cop car every single day in this certain area of the road, everybody slows down. And you know what? Eventually, everybody just gets used to slowing down. The presence of authority can actually begin to train us to do the right thing over and over and over. And then we stick with it. God's presence trains us in righteousness. It helps us in righteousness. His spirit helps us. So closeness needs to be the priority. And see, for the lost, they need this revelation of who God is and that he is real for them 
And that begins to change everything. And we need to pray again that God reveals himself to him. Let's continue in the story. So again, a second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. And after leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. Three times he asked. Three times he responded. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, when I really believe that he is good and he rewards us and that he is never wasting my trials, I will go the second mile with my adversary. I will turn the other cheek when wronged. I will endure the lawsuit with grace and gentleness. And I will pray for my enemies and seek to be a blessing to them. See, when I begin to do those things, believing in God's character, having faith in who he says he is, everything begins to change. And I begin to have the strength to follow him. And I can say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. I want us to take some time. I'm going to pray for us right now. And we're going to pray for us and for the lost. We're going to pray for those we're trying to reach. And we're going to pray for us to have that second mile example. Would you bow your heads with me right now? And then our campus pastors and venue hosts will come and close us. Father, I just want to come to you right now. And I thank you that you are a good God. I thank you that you love us lavishly. And you care about us. I thank you that you gave Jesus for us. And Lord, I come right now and first for us, for those who are trying to follow you, I pray reveal yourself to us in a new way, in a fresh way. Give us a new revelation of your love, a new revelation of your, your power, a new revelation of your will, and a new and fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit. To live the second mile example and to go through whatever that hard storm is, that ever, ever that situation is. The divorce, the lawsuit, whatever it is. The tough situation, the tough relationship. Lord, let us walk through it in a way that brings you glory and honor. And then Lord, I come right now and I pray for all those we're trying to reach, those that we're trying to go after. And Lord, I pray for those we haven't even met yet. And Lord, we pray, give them a revelation of you, a revelation of who you are, a revelation of a good God, a revelation of a God that is for them and not against them, but a God who wants to rescue them from their sin and from the evil in this world 
And Lord, I just come to you right now and I pray that you would open their eyes to the truth of this world and their circumstances and their situation. Help them know you. Lord, our eyes are on you. Reveal yourself and reveal the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.